the big bark. Listen up, dog owners. It's for you, all you canine lovers. It's your favorite podcast, The Big Bark, with your host Dara Burke and canine co-hosts Bruno and Millie. The Big Bark. Hello and a big welcome to the Big Bear Podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Burke, and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful canine co-hosts, Bruno and Millie, who are hiding in the bedroom with the two fans on from the sunshine this evening. They really are sick and tired of it by now, and are just looking to hide out and just hope the sun goes away and a lovely rain comes back, as they say, because... They're really dying for the seat. Well, so it's been a pretty, um, I suppose, crazy is the only word week that I can use. Uh, We've had a huge amount of support on our Instagram page this week. And I'm going to go into that a small bit later on. uh, And I'll tell you exactly why we've had so much support on our Instagram page this week. Coming up a bit later on on today's show, we have, as per usual, we have our health hub brought to you by Tree Veterinary Clinic here in Limerick and Shannon. And we will be chatting to Ashley Bogler over Tree Vets about canine cough and as more commonly known, I suppose, as kennel cough to a lot of people. So we'll be chatting with Ashley a bit later on on that. We'll also be welcoming Samantha Rawson from the Canine College. Samantha will be chanters again on our Clever Canine segment. And Samantha will be kind of, I suppose, just continuing the conversation we have had in recent weeks about puppies. So we're looking forward to that too. So going back to why has it been an interesting week? Well, okay, first of all, I'm not sure if you've read it, but most people who follow our page and the, I suppose, over... Well, nearly 2,000 followers more uh, that we actually had there, that we got in the last few days from uh, this story. Um, So many people have been supporting this story, and I'm going to give you the gist of it before I move on to our first guest. So, a gentleman up in Roscommon, Donald Rogers. Donald has been ordered by a court to put his dog, Kim, to sleep. Kim bit a woman from the uh, Clonmel Tipperary area who was out walking past Mr. Rogers' gate. Now, there has been an outcry of support for this particular case and to save Kim. And the hashtag save Kim is literally trending nearly everywhere right now. So it's it's been... I suppose, an emotional week for a lot of dog owners because from what is understood, the bite to this woman was not life-changing. It was not a severe injury. But this woman has insisted numerous times and countless times that the dog be put to sleep. And the owner here... Uh, Mr. Rogers has done everything in his power to try and persuade this woman to not have his dog put to sleep. 
over 6,000 people so far, 6,400 to be exact, have liked and seen this post on our own Facebook page. Over 100,000 have signed the petition online. To give you an exact number of how many people at this moment, 117,000. Now, 10,000 of those minimum are actually thanks to our own supporters who have gone to the effort to not only share this post on the story on their own Instagram stories, uh, have gone to share it with Irish celebrities who have also shared it. And basically, this story has gone fairly viral over the last few days. So, for me, it's it's great to see that there's so many animal lovers in this country who want to stand up for animal rights. And that is what it's all about. It's for standing up for Kim to save Kim. And not just Kim, any other dog that could be put in the situation as well. Now, to give you the full story... We're delighted here today to welcome Fahma Gunning from Gripped.ie, Grip Media, and Fahma are the ones who originally broke this story. And their article, the Grip Media article from Fahma, is up on our Instagram links there. So if you want to actually view the article, just click on the link tree link in our bio, and you will see the link there. The link to the petition is also there as well. So be sure that you have a look at the article, get your full information there. But we're delighted now to welcome Fahma Gunning to the show. Fahma, a huge welcome to the Big Bark, and thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule today. Thank you very much, and um, thank you for taking interest as well. (laughs) So I suppose from the very beginning, um, it seems that a group of walkers were passing by Donald Rogers. That's the 85 year old gentleman who, whose dog allegedly bit someone. Um, They were walking by his home. Uh, Now his home is in a pretty isolated part of Roscommon. And like, you know, just from visiting there, I I wouldn't say that so many people go by, but anyway, um, this lady, her name is Breed Green from Tipperary. She alleges that his little dog, Kim, bit her on the leg and that she then um, had to go to hospital. Okay. Now, Fahma, I want to just ask you right there. Like from what I've been reading online, her husband is the one who came to Donald's door to inform him. Now, was there any other witnesses and how bad supposedly is this bite on the leg? Is it like a catastrophic injury? Is it a life changing injury or was it just a nip on the leg? I believe that um, there were several other people uh, with Miss Green and her husband, but that they didn't want to participate in the court case or that, you know, they haven't come on record in any way that I'm aware of. So there were witnesses, but there were no independent witnesses, if I can put it that way. Okay. And what about the injuries? What do we know of the injuries? Like how bad supposedly were her injuries? To the best of my knowledge, she was seen by a doctor and I believe that she did have a number of stitches. But um, I I saw her in the master's court several weeks ago. And, you know, to answer your question, they're not life 
threatening or they're not life changing injuries. No. Okay. So right now, so where are we at? We know from, even from your own article on grips.ie that the judge has ordered the dog to be put to sleep at the request of Miss Gray. That's correct. Um, and Donal, as we probably know, like he appealed the the order and it was upheld. I, I am aware, in fairness to the judge, I guess the original judge, um, he did ask that Donal and Miss Green reach a settlement. I, I believe that he directed them to go outside the court and just have a chat about it and, you know, reach a settlement. But that, at that point, Green refused and just you know, just pursued having the dog destroyed. And, okay, like, obviously, like, this is a very hard thing for any animal lover, and I suppose it's not even just at this stage about Kim anymore. There's, like, this has happened so many times in the past where dogs have been put down, probably for just a nip on the leg or a very small injury. Whereas Mm -hmm. when you look at, like, the criminal cases that go on in the country and you, like, I've even been talking to people in the last week. I've seen it on local media down here in Limerick. You see people with 200 convictions walking out scot-free of court. And there's this poor dog who, from what I believe, never had any sort of behaviour similar to this in the past and is given a death sentence. Yeah, to the best of my knowledge, Kim has never done anything like this before or since. And like I have met the dog twice while going down to, you know, cover the story. And to me and my cameraman who were complete strangers to her, she was very, very friendly, like, you know. And I know myself from like just studying, I suppose, different papers and stuff on animal behavior, which I have done over the last few years. Like a dog doesn't just bite and change its behavior for no reason. So is there any indication that like Kim could have been provoked or because if the husband was able to walk up to the door, why didn't Kim attack the husband too? Again, like there were no independent witnesses. So like, I can't really comment on that. Like I have no way of knowing. Sure. Sure. And okay. So we know from the letter that Donald uh, actually sent to Miss Green. We know that he has tried everything. Like you've been speaking to Donald, like, yeah, I can't even imagine myself, but what kind of a frame of mind is he in over this? He must be absolutely distraught. I mean, he has said that he can't imagine his life without Kim. Like, as we know, he's 85 years old. He lives alone. Um, He's stated several times that Kim is a great source of company and indeed security for him. So, you know, I think it would be, all things considered, it would be a terrible loss, not just because he loves a dog, but also for other reasons like security and so on. And I was even looking at the video, the interview that he did with uh, Donald there. And he mentioned in the video that like he has heart issues and he had a pacemaker fitted a number of years ago. Like it, it baffles me as to like what this would actually do to him and why this woman is so like, so focused on having Kim put down? I mean, I guess that's the million-dollar question because she doesn't live near him and isn't, you know, unlikely to encounter him or the dog again. And, you know, with all the kind of, all the, I don't know what to say, the so so many conditions that he's undertaken to put in place, like, I 
you know, he said himself that there isn't really reasonable cause for her to fear that the dog is a danger. You know, like if, if all those measures are put in place. Sure, absolutely. And okay, so what exactly is the next step here? I understand that there are more steps that he could and possibly will be taken in our court. Will he be appealing again? And who does the final decision come down to? Like, we know there's a massive petition going on, but Mm -hmm. a lot of people are even asking, even on our own social media, a lot of people are asking, will a petition actually make a huge difference? Or does this come down to just a judicial decision? My understanding is that because the original decision was already appealed, so it was a district court order that was appealed to the circuit court and upheld, that there isn't actually a legal avenue to appeal again. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. And is there any deadline then? It's This is one of the questions we actually got in. Is there a deadline whereby the order for Kim to be put down has to be enforced? Not that I'm aware of. Um, To the best of my knowledge, the only kind of thing that could be done would be for uh, Miss Green to agree for a stay to be put on the order. And, you know, that would be on the condition that Kim was, you know, didn't do anything like that again. You know, there's kind of on the understanding that if something else happened again, like it would be like, done and dusted you know that kind of way like I, yeah that's, the, that's my understanding anyway well look listen Farman, thank you so much for yeah. like all that you've done so far for this we're we're going to continue to raise awareness uh we've had some several high profile people actually even share our own posts today uh i did see the comedian joanne mcnally actually shared joanne mcnally mm-hmm. actually shared it there about an hour or two ago on her story mm-hmm. so it really is about I suppose, gathering pace as well and just making sure that everyone actually knows about this and people get their voices heard. Because, look, like I said, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, like, this isn't even just about, I suppose, just Kim anymore. It's a case of, it's animal rights in general. And what and even elderly, like, you know, how do we treat elderly people? Like Exactly, yeah. Like, you look at poor Donald, as you said, he's 85, this is his only companion, and this is the way uh, that he's been treated. Like, I read, even on your own article, uh, he's a retired gather, like, for yeah. someone who served his life to this country, and this is the thanks that he is getting from it. That's right. <laughs> So, look, Fama, thank you ever so much for joining us on The Big Bear today. And, look, we'll keep in touch with you. And if you have yeah. any more information that you can pass to us, and we'll happily, well, I wouldn't say happily, but we'll definitely we'll share for you because this isn't a happy situation. This is a very unfortunate situation. And we really hope that Miss Green will actually have some clemency and just change her mind and hopefully... Give Kim another chance. That's, I guess that's all we can hope for. Thank you so much, Fahma, for joining me. Thank you. All right. Thanks very much. Thank you. All right. And a big thanks again to Fahma for joining us there. That was Fahma Gunning from Grip Media, who originally broke the story about Kim and has done so much to try and help 
Mr. Donald Rogers in his campaign to save Kim. And we really, really do appreciate Fahma and the Grip Media team for all that they have done so far in this entire case. It's it's a really it's a really devastating thing for poor Donald and we are completely one hundred percent behind Donald and Kim. And please continue to use the hashtag when sharing the boards. Hashtag save Kim. We want you to keep signing the petition, keep sharing the petition. We've had a lot of people who have shared it, a lot of high-profile people through Holland as well, who have shared as far as we have had over a 1,000 people just share our post alone and over 10,000 people who have actually just shared or signed the petition from just our page alone. It's wonderful to see so many animal lovers in Ireland who want to see this barbaric action is all I can call it of having Kim put to sleep they want to see that stopped and I myself included I'm one of the biggest dog lovers you'll ever meet I would be absolutely gutted if this was my own two dogs now the thing about it is what is actually causing this and the legislation behind this is the Control of Dogs Act. Now, we're going to be joined now by Samantha Rawson, who is our regular contributor here to our Clever Canine section, uh, telling us all about, like Samantha tells us every week, different training tips, and she's been focused a lot on puppy training the last number of weeks. And Samantha is joining us now to chat to us about the Control of Dogs Act and what exactly the Control of the Dogs Act is, the penalties involved in the law, and we're delighted now to welcome Samantha to the show. Samantha, a big welcome back to the Big Back. Hi, Dara. Yeah, great great to talk to you. So, Samantha, okay, we know the Control of the Dogs Act has been around, I believe it was 1986 that the act came in. Yeah. And now... I've been trying to wrap my head around this act. There's so much in it. And I've been trying to kind of figure out myself the whole, I suppose, legalities of it. Would yeah. you give us a, kind of a rundown of what the Control of Dogs Act actually involves? Okay, well, I suppose the, the thing that most people don't know about the Control of Dogs Act is that it is a piece of what's called strict liability legislation. So it basically means you do not have a defence. The Act itself says that all dogs must be under the owner's control in a public place. So usually that would really mean a lead or a strong lead. If the dog is off a lead and is is loose, um, then it's by definition out of the owner's control. Um, so unless, you know, if your dog is in the park and you have a fabulous recall, but if your, your dog is off lead and off your property, um, maybe on a public street, well, then by very different definition, you're, you are in breach of the legislation. Um, and what they mean by strict liability is that you're either guilty or you're not guilty. <clears throat> you're either, you have either broken the law or you haven't. Um, and because it's strict liability, there is no defence. You, you can't, um, unfortunately, put forward mitigating circumstances. Um, you might try, but it's, it's very kind of black and white legislation. And it's really down to the discretion of the judge and um, how, how the judge views the, the facts of the particular case. 
Um, but I suppose if you if you are before the courts, you probably have already, you know, broken broken the law and are in breach of the legislation. It's it's really down to the you know the, the kindness or otherwise of the judge, I suppose, um, because the law very very clearly states that the owner must be in control of their dog when in a public place. Okay, Samantha, and we know that this legislation mm. are. It obviously covers things like restricted breeds as well. Um, there's a lot in it. Now, like, what, where, I suppose, exactly in the legislation is there, is the penalty when, like, say, the kind of, is the penalty there that a dog can be put to sleep or euthanized? Like, um, I, I don't know. I, I think you're right there, Dara, that it doesn't actually say anything about the dog being destroyed. Um, that's not mentioned anywhere. Um, I think it says that the dog warden, I think somewhere in the legislation, it says that the dog warden has the power to um, take the dog. Do you know what I mean? So, so dog wardens have authority to um, take the dog off the owner um, and bring it to the local pound or, or seize the dog. So I suppose a bit like traffic legislation that the guardie have the right to impound the vehicle. Um, so in the same way, the dog warden has the right to impound the dog. Um, and then I suppose it, it's it's then up to the courts or wh- whatever the, the, the process is. Um, but I suppose it all starts with whoever the, the victim is or whoever the person who is seeking damages. Really, it's up to them how far they take the case, because a case will only come to the courts if the person who has been you know, feels they've been bitten or injured or got a fright. Now, the other important thing to say is that a dog doesn't have to bite somebody in order for you to be in breach of that legislation. The dog could be simply running down the street and frighten somebody or somebody could trip or there was actually a horrific case a couple of weeks ago where um, a dog ran out and a cyclist swerved to avoid the dog and the cyclist was killed. Um, so, so that, you know, that was a, a, another case. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a dog bite. It's just that it is an animal loose um, and out of control. And that can have dire consequences for, for everybody. And I suppose the, the legislation was written way back in 1986. And in those days, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, Dara, but certainly when I was a child, dogs were re- allowed to run loose. You know, you, you, your, your gates were left open and the dog trotted off down the road. And our dogs used to bring back a pound of butter or half a dozen eggs or whatever that they would take off the neighbor's step. Um, so that's the background it comes from, that, that dogs were, were, were loose and maybe, you know, chasing traffic or trotting off down the road or jumping on people. So that's the, the, the culture where it comes from. And then this legislation was brought in to say that your dog now couldn't be loose on the street. You know, you couldn't just let it trot off down the road, that you had to know where your dog was. But that's that's kind of what's behind it. Um, and there must have been, I don't remember, but you know yourself in Ireland, there must have been an incident um, and suddenly they decided, right, we need to bring in legislation to control dogs. Um, and then it was, it was they, they came up with the restricted breeds. I don't think the restricted breeds actually has been reviewed. It's probably a piece of legislation that probably does need to be reviewed because they came up with that list of 11 breeds way back in, in um, I think it was reviewed in 1992. Um, when they came up with these these breeds. And the problem was that when the legislation first came in, um, 
the law basically stated that all of these breeds had to wear muzzles when in a public place. And then the dog show fraternity said, well, you know, if we're showing our dogs and we're in the local GAA club, that's a public place. So does our dog have to be muzzled if he's at a dog show? Um, so then they they kind of found their way around that, where obviously if you're a dog show, your dog doesn't have to be muzzled. But if you're anywhere else, um, these restricted breeds have to be muzzled. Um, and there there's dogs on there like the, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, the Rhodesian Ridgeback, the German Shepherd, the Doberman, um, the Mastiff, the Japanese Akita. Um, there's ver- there's various breeds on it, but but people would tend to say it's not the dog, it's the owner. So what's the point in restricting the breed when actually it's the owner who's in, you know, who's responsible for the dog? But I suppose the thinking is that some of these dogs can cause serious damage. Um, so, you know, if a big dog jumps on somebody, it's more likely to cause damage than a, a smaller dog. So I suppose that's the thinking behind it. But you've got to remember that before the legislation, people let their dogs run run loose. And, you know, it was quite common to see dogs trotting up and down the road. Just going back to as well, you mentioned um, there has been reviewed since 1992. I do know, and I actually have the document here in front of me as well. There was a public cons- consultation actually done on this back in 2019. But okay. as far as I'm aware, I, I remember actually submitting to this consultation myself as well at the time. But yeah. as far as I'm aware, nothing has actually, no public report, nothing has actually come out of this consultation. Even on the government website here, it just says consultation has been reviewed. And that was last updated right. on the 1st July 2019. So it's yeah. one of these things, I suppose, is just taken, I suppose, for the government to backbone already. And... In one way, understandably so, like in, you look back to like 2020, COVID happened and kind of everything mm. went on, on the backbone then. But mm. would you say, Samantha, that the, uh, not just the Control Dogs Act, but animal welfare legislation, I know we talked about this before, and just animal rights in general need to be overhauled in this country? I think they do, but 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 to the other side of the coin, Dara, where, where I don't think animal welfare is high enough on the you know, on the political agenda, um, because apart from the the individual cases, Ireland does not have a great reputation for looking after animals. Um, we really don't. I mean, we're kind of bottom of the pile. I know, you know, we've become more into our dogs and maybe into our cats, but that tends to be more in urban areas. I think in country areas, um, there's still an awful lot of general animal neglect and, you know, um, various practices around the country that you, that you wouldn't see in Dublin. Um, like I'm very anti-electric fences um, and they're quite common in rural areas. But but to my mind, you should never use electric fence around children. If you've got children um, on a property or in a family, I would never advise using an electric fence to contain a dog. You're much better off to have secure fencing and have a, a gate and a fence um, because electric fences are, can be highly dangerous for, for dogs and for nervous dogs. So I think from an animal welfare point of view, we are, are way behind the, you know, Europe. Um, you know, in other countries in Europe, you don't see stray dogs. I mean, the stray dogs just don't exist. You don't have rescues. You don't have shelters um, because because they value them. I suppose it, it always comes down to value, doesn't it? We either value our animals or we don't. And I don't think in Ireland we really do value our animals. 
Yeah, agreed, and definitely agree with you on the electric fences. I'm fairly sure I found out a number of times as a child myself how uh, sore and dangerous electric fences are. My own stupidity, really, but... Look, Samantha, we will have you back on a bit later on for the Clever Canine segment, where we'll be continuing our conversation about puppy training, and we'll be moving on to getting your dog out and about. All right, and a big thanks again there to Samantha for just giving us that bit of information there regarding the Control Dogs Act. I wanted that to be a real kind of actual, more balanced conversation, not focusing in on the uh, case of of Donald and Kim, but just for Samantha to give us her understanding of the law as it stands. Now, Samantha is a dog trainer for over 30 years and behaviorist as well, so she has a really good understanding of the law. She's our own resident dog trainer here on the show and behaviorist on the show, and she leads the Clever Canine section every week here for us. And we're delighted always to have Samantha on the show. So really hope everyone found that little piece on the Control the Dogs Act to be informative and to just give you an understanding of what is actually the law that's applicable there to Kim's case. Now, on that note, we're going to go over next to Ashley Bogler from Tree Veterinary Clinic in Limerick. And we're joined by Ashley for the Health Hub this week, brought to you by Tree Veterinary Clinic. Do you have a pet in need of a vet? Or do you need some health advice for your four-legged friend? Whether it's for a regular checkup, microchipping, vaccinations or critical urgent care, you can rest assured knowing that your pet is in loving hands at Treaty Veterinary Clinic Limerick and Shannon. Providing care for your pet since 1986, at Treaty Vets, your pet is our priority. Call our 24-hour number 061-328-511 or make an appointment through our website www.treatyveterinaryclinic.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram, Treaty Veterinary Clinic. Pride sponsors of the Health Hub on the Big Bark. And welcome back to the Health Hub this week. And we're delighted to be joined once again by Ashley Bugler from Tree Vets. Ashley, welcome back to the Big Bark. Thanks a million, Dara. It's great to be back. Are you enjoying the fine weather out there? I am. It's gorgeous. It's lovely weather. because I haven't seen a few people walking their dogs in the middle of the day. So just a quick warning to people not to walking their dogs in the middle of the day. It's very hot on their little pads. If you put your hand on the concrete or on the tarmac and it's, it's hot on your hand, it's too hot for your dog to walk. So just making sure everyone keeps their doggies in the shade at the moment anyway. Absolutely, completely agree with you. And I even had to give Millie and Bruno a hose down there earlier on today because they're just they're not able for the heat at all. Same as I'm many dogs. And it's I suppose like there'll be a lot of excitement uh, given that it's Monday. It's the homecoming day. There'll be a lot of excitement out uh, the north side of Limerick this evening with the homecoming for Limerick there was I was down down by uh, the Gaelic grounds earlier on at lunchtime and they're already getting set up there's music blaring and they're getting all set up for the big homecoming so there's a lot of excitement around this side of town anyway brilliant I suppose look there was a lot of excitement the weekend like for Limerick it was just a fantastic thing overall and great to see them do the three in a row but anyway, we're here today to talk about kennel cough and I suppose more commonly now known as canine cough. So Ashley, do you want to start off by telling us what exactly is canine cough? Of course I will. So 
yeah, a lot of people know it as kennel cough, and that's kind of a colloquial term, kind of a slang term for canine infectious respiratory disease complex. That's a bit of a mouthful. Um, and the reason it got that name kennel cough is because it's, it's a contagious kind of illness that spreads between dogs. So they often get it in places where there's a lot of different dogs from different places in one area, like kennels, like doggy daycares, things like that. But it's not just being in kennels. You can get it in a park, you know, if, you're meeting, if you meet an infected dog or you're like in a pet shop or anywhere like that, you could pick it up. So what it is, it's, it's kind of a collection of viruses and bacteria that cause upper airway inflammation, basically. So the viruses get in, they stimulate the immune system, and then this thick layer of mucus basically gets formed in the upper airways in the throat. And then the doggy starts coughing to try and clear that mucus out. So in very simple terms, it's basically a kind of an, a bad sore throat with lots of mucus in your upper airways and in your throat. And the dog is trying to cough that up. So um, the main sign is a sudden onset harsh cough. And that's caused by this thick mucus in the airway. So we often get owners kind of phoning up, concerned that their doggy has something stuck in their throat because it can sound like that. It's such a hacking cough, like they're, tr- they're trying to clear their throat. So it does sound like there's something stuck in the throat. Um, and other times they might think the dog is vomiting because they're bringing up white foam or mucus. And it can, it can look like vomiting to an owner, do you know, and it, it can be quite scary because it, ha- it can happen quite quickly. Um, and then, you know, you can occasionally have sneezing and kind of, na- you know, your no- the nose running a little bit, nasal discharge there. Usually now with this illness, it's, you know, the, usually the dog is bright and active and they're eating. But occasionally it can get a hold of the doggy and they can start feeling under the weather. They can, you know, see getting a decreased appetite and lethargy, lack of energy. Um, and then if, you know, if the doggy has a, kind of the other underlying illnesses or they're younger or older or just have not a great immune system, um, you can see a fever developing or you can get kind of secondary bacteria kind of invading and go on to develop a chest infection. Now, that, that's a rare, you know, more, more rare, but it can happen too, especially in our older and younger pets um, or dogs with underlying illnesses. So, um, or even just to mention short-faced breeds, our brachycephalic friends, they they suffer more when they get when they pick up this canine cough because their airways are already narrow and then they're getting this inflammation in the airway and the mucus. It's just narrowing, making this small space even smaller. So they can suffer worse with it, really. So that's important to look out for that. So I suppose just probably just not to go into too much detail, but there's a couple of little agents involved. So the main one is kind of board is Helibronchoseptica and then you can get Streptococcus equi and then things like parainfluenza and adenovirus and herpes virus and a couple of the mycoplasmas, you know, things like that. So there's loads of different bacteria and virus involved, which is why we do see such a kind of wide range of symptoms and different effects on different dogs, because some of them will have some of the bacteria, some of them will have some of the viruses, some will have a load of different viruses and bacteria involved in their illness. And obviously, you know, every dog deals with it differently then and depends on their immune system. So that's where prevention is really important and kind of the key to prevention really is vaccination. So if we can try and get all our pets vaccinated against kennel cough, that would make a big difference. The vaccine is an intranasal vaccine. It goes into the nose for the first time. Um, there are injectable versions available now that we then kind of we follow up with those then afterwards. Um, and the, the vaccine protects against the Bordetella bronchoseptica and parainfluenza. So it, you know, it might not protect 100% against all the different viruses and bacteria, but it definitely would have, have a less severe illness at least if you have some immunity to those two main ones, you know, you're, you're on your way there to have a nice protection, your immune system being able to kind of combat those in the, the illness a bit better. Your body, the doggy's body will be able to um, fight, fight, fight the infection better. So even if they even if they pick it up, they might have a severe illness as they would have had if they hadn't had the vaccination. 
So if your doggy is think is meeting other dogs or you're thinking of putting them into kennels or doggy daycare, just make sure to get the vaccination in plenty of time. It can take up to three weeks for full immunity to, to kind of be on set. So really plan ahead and get that vaccine sorted out. Um, and then I suppose we'll just touch on treatment briefly. So um, if you do notice your dog having a little cough at all, rest is really important. They might, even if they seem, or they usually are, you know, in good spirits, if they seem that they're full of energy, just let them have a rest. You know, we if you're going out um, and exercising your pet, when they have this mucus in their throat, their respiratory rate is increasing. They're having to work harder to clear their throat. It's going to make the coughing worse. And their throat is really sore. Like, it's quite a painful thing to have that inflammation in your throat. So rest up. Um, avoid any airborne kind of irritants. So don't be having candles or disinfectants or air fresheners, kind of smoke and things like that. They just make the inflammation in the airway work so if we can kind of cut them out for a few days while the dog recovers and then if you do have to take your dog out you know on a lead to go to the bathroom or for you know a five minute little posture around if you could use a harness um, that goes around the body instead of a collar around the neck so obviously it's the throat that's really sore so you don't want to be pulling on their neck and collar and then um, if they have if they eat dry food just to moisten it a little bit so that we're not kind of getting that dust down the airway setting up more inflammation and then obviously, if your dog's not improving after two or three days, get them down to your vet and get them examined, you know. Or if they're under the weather at all, if, if the appetite is decreased and um, they're lethargic or they're not interested in exercise, they just don't see themselves. Doggy owners, they know when their pet's not right. And if that's the case, give, you know, give your vet a ring and get, get them down and get them seen to. Because like I said, in some cases, it can go on to cause fevers and chest infections. And in those cases, we might need to get some anti-inflammatories on board or even antibiotics, depending on, on what, what's going on with that. So, um, then just a quick thing to say, yeah, give it. you can give it two or three days if your dog is in good spirits, but obviously if there's any sign that your dog's not well, bring them down to your vet. You know, I think I think there's an article on Google saying that, oh, if your dog's coughing, don't bring them to the vet because they, they're probably contagious. That, you know, we, we, we do want to see your pet. Let us know when you phone us that you're coughing. We might get you to wait outside with your pet in case we do think it's kennel cough. But there's lots of other things that can cause coughing, not just kennel cough. So like I said earlier, Sometimes it can sound like there's something stuck in the throat. There could be something stuck in the throat, you know. So really important if it's a really violent hacking cough, that there could easily be something in the mouth or in the throat. So we do want to see your pet for that. Different allergies can cause coughing. And then more serious things like heart disease, congestive heart failure, things like that, they cause coughing. Bronchitis and pneumonia and even lungworm. We're seeing more lungworm now. So really important that your dog gets treated regularly to prevent lungworm because we're seeing more and more of it now. It's becoming a bit of a problem. Um, and then different things like dogs, that could have, if they have any access to rat poison or anything like that, you can get bleeding and that could be happening in the chest. Um, and then obviously horrible things like different kinds of cancers, like lung cancer and things like that can cause coughing. So really, really important if you're worried about your pet and they're coughing and it's not going away within a day or two, three days at most, or if they feel unwell at all, give, it, give your vet a little ring, get your dog checked out. You don't want to let these things, you know, kind of get worse. So I suppose that's kind of a whistle top tour there of kennel cough for you, Dara. That's great, Ashley. And Ashley, just one question before we leave you today. I suppose, like, there's another, I suppose, cause of coughing. Like, dogs often pick up, like, just stuff around the home. Uh, like, they could pick up anything on the floor. So, like, what would be your tip to a dog owner where they feel your dog has, like, swallowed something that was on the floor? So, yeah, there's two different things there. So if, you, if your dog is a dog that kind of chews things or swallows things, you do have to be vigilant. We do see a lot of doggies eating stuff off the floor, especially young pups. So if they eat something like a bit of a plastic toy or obviously if you're feeding your dog bone, which I wouldn't recommend, but if people are feeding bones, they can get stuck in the stomach. And generally, if that's the case, you'll see vomiting. So 
the dog will generally vomit after eating and bring the, bring their food back up. Um, it's quite serious if, if there is something stuck stuck in the stomach that they usually would need surgery to have it removed. Um, it depends what it is now. Some like some dogs, some dogs might eat a sock and we might be able to bring that up by kind of getting them to vomit it back up. But certain things, obviously, if it's bone, you can't make them vomit that back up, things like that. So, um, and you might not know, like obviously, if you see your dog eating something, that's one thing. But a lot of people wouldn't know that their dog is eating something and they present for vomiting. Um, and then we have to do x-rays and scans to try and find out, is there something stuck in the stomach? And so then we just have to operate and go in and open up the tummy and get that, that foreign body out. But in terms of kind of coughing something, so if they were to inhale something, um, that's an emergency. Like if a dog has something stuck in their throat, that they need to come straight down and be sedated to get that thing removed out of their throat because obviously they could choke. You know? So that's there are two different things, whether they swallow it or whether they inhale it. If they swallow it, it's, it's, it's in the tummy now, so we just have to deal with the kind of thing. Um, but they shouldn't if they're if they if they eat something or kind of inhale something and then they're they're coughing and they're gagging. That's an emergency. They need to bring bring come straight down to the bed to have that pulled out of the throat. That's fantastic, Ashley. And we'll leave it there for today. Uh, thanks so much again for joining us, and hope you continue to enjoy the good weather this week. You too, Dara. Thanks so much. Thanks, Ashley. Do you have a pet in need of a vet, or do you need some health advice for your four-legged friend? Whether it's for a regular checkup, microchipping, vaccinations or critical urgent care, you can rest assured knowing that your pet is in loving hands at Treaty Veterinary Clinic Limerick and Shannon. Providing care for your pet since 1986, at Treaty Vets, your pet is our priority. Call our 24-hour number 061-328-511 or make an appointment through our website www.treatyveterinaryclinic.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram, Treaty Veterinary Clinic. Proud sponsors of the Health Hub on the Big Bark. And a huge thanks once again there to Ashley Bugler from Treaty Vets. And that was a Health Hub brought to you by Treaty Vets. We will have Dr. Siobhan O'Neill on next week joining us once again for another Health Hub segment with Treaty Vets. So we look forward to that. And now it is the, we're kind of starting to wind down with our competition. We can't forget our competition because it is Brandy, Brandy Dog Foods, 50th birthday. So we have teamed up with Brandy to give you a three-month supply of Brandy Dog Food. Now, if you've been following the show for the last number of weeks, you will know that we have a special code word for you. And our special code word is our secret breed. So, you need a secret breed to enter our competition. And I'm going to tell you how to enter the competition. But first of all, here's the secret breed. The secret breed is Bernie's Mountain Dog. So, you got to remember that. It is Bernie's Mountain Dog. Now, how do you enter the competition? You go to brandydogfood.com. On the homepage for brandydogfood.com, you will scroll down and you will see a big green box. And that big green box says, win a three-month supply of Brandy Dog Food with the Big Bear Podcast. Now, I have to specify a three-month supply is equal to 12 weeks of being a 10-kilo dog based on the FED IAF Nutritional Guidelines. Competition runs from 23rd June to 4th of August 2022. So just below that, click here to enter. You click on that big button there to enter. Terms and conditions do apply, but you will need to enter your name, your 
area of address, I believe. Let me just get you the details here. First of all, what is the secret breed announced during the Big Bad Podcast, episode 49 to 53? You'll be asked for your name. You'll be asked for your doggy's name, your beautiful, lovely doggy's name. You will be asked for your email address. And there's a few usual permission stuff there that you have to agree to. And you will just hit enter now after that. So be sure to enter. The competition closes on the 4th of August. So get your entry in before then. We will be posting this non-stop. This is the last week that we are giving our secret breed to you. So after this week, we won't be giving out the secret breed. Now, we may do potentially a live video on Instagram at some stage. Who knows? Maybe we will. We'll talk to the guys in Brandy and we'll see about doing that. But get your entry in. You have to be in to win. Because, well, obviously for nine, you won't win. Anyway, uh, we had Samantha on earlier on and we have Samantha back again. Samantha is back to us now for a clever canine segment brought to you by the Canine College. And Samantha is going to be talking this week about socialising your wonderful, lovely little puppy. Clever Canines on the Big Bark is brought to you by the Canine College, run by champion dog trainer Samantha Rawson, a regular contributor to RT Radio and Television. Samantha is a certified canine behaviour consultant and with 30 years experience in the field. She has the knowledge and understanding to help any dog. Our services include individual dog training, from basic to competition standard, assessments and behaviour consultations. The Canine College is set on five acres with a secure paddock and an indoor classroom. See thecaninecollege.ie or find us on Facebook for more information. And we're back on Clever Canines this week. And once again, delighted to welcome back Samantha Rawson. The Cle- uh, Clever Canines is brought to you by the Canine College, which Samantha owns over in Tipperary. Samantha, welcome back to the show. Hi, Dara. So, okay, this week we're going to, last week we were talking about uh, leash training on puppies. And this week we want to talk about getting your puppy out and about and... I suppose introducing them to new situations, new people, new dogs. So I'm going to let you just chat away there, Samantha, and tell me exactly about why it's important and how to get your dog out and about. Okay, so it's important um, that the dog is exposed to as many different situations as you can expose your dog to. However, the caveat is you must take it at your puppy's pace, not at your pace. So distance and and um, safety is really important for dogs. So if you take your dog into a situation and you look at his body language and his body language, maybe his tail is down or his ears are back or he's turning his head sideways or maybe doing some little yawns, that might indicate that the dog is not feeling very comfortable. So if the dog isn't feeling comfortable, you need to take it out of that situation or at least increase the distance between the dog and whatever's happening. Usually the biggest mistake people make is that they overwhelm the puppy. So they might bring it to a park where there's loads of people and loads of dogs. Um, And what really should happen is you should sit at a distance and let the puppy watch things kind of over there. 
So it can watch from a distance, but it's not right in the middle of it. You know, it's a bit like being at a party where you might be a little bit shy and you'd sit in the corner and watch people for, uh, for a while. And then maybe when you're comfortable, you might get up and dance. Um, you know, you don't go to a party and immediately get up on the dance floor. Um, so maybe try and think about that from the puppy's point of view, because what I've seen um, over the last few months, Dara, is people will describe their puppy as suddenly changing his behaviour. You know, he was fine until suddenly at six or seven months, he started barking at people. Now, what that tells me is that the dog was never fine, but the owners just didn't recognize the signs. So the dog wasn't coping, but because he was a baby, he couldn't do anything about it. And he couldn't bark because, you know, he didn't have the wherewithal. And then usually with the onset of hormones, the dog suddenly goes, oh, now I can do something about this. And then they'll start barking or reacting or, you know, lunging or chasing or whatever it is. So it's really, really important to prevent behavior problems that you are very aware of your dog's body language. And if you don't know about dog's body language, there's loads of videos on YouTube. And actually, it might be something that we could go into um, in another podcast. I might go through some, some simple signals and simple behaviors. But it's a huge topic. Um, and, and I would kind of beg owners to, to really study their dogs and have a look at their dogs so they can kind of read their emotional state because you really need to be taking that emotional temperature before you proceed. Because if you proceed too quickly, you could actually be doing more harm than good. So safety is really important and distance is really important. And let the dog give the time, give the dog the time and the distance to take it all in. Don't bring it into the middle of the party and say, hey, aren't you great? Okay, Samantha. So I suppose what kind of, you mentioned different situations. So what kind of situations should you be really introducing your puppy to? You said to take it out of puppy's pace. But what are the most, yeah. I suppose, important things that your puppy needs to be introduced to? Is it other dogs? Is it other people? Or just going into the local pet shop or the local vet? Yeah, I, I would say um, if you're exposing your dog to either people or dogs or different environments, Choose places where the dogs are under control. So, so a good place to socialize a dog where other dogs are under control is a dog show. So I'm going to a dog show tomorrow and I'm going to be bringing one of my puppies, but I won't be walking her right around the dog show. I'll just li literally be sitting in the van and letting her watch things from a distance. And then I might go for a little trot, but at a distance. So the dogs will always be at a distance and they are under control because they're very fact that they're at a dog show. Um, like that, if, if you want to expose your puppy to maybe some people or some children to, to go to a playground, but again, stand back from the playground. Don't stand right outside the playground. Kind of stand back. And then when the dog is comfortable, you can move a little bit closer and a little bit closer. Um, really important if you're exposing your dog to children or to other people, that you ask people to let the dog approach them, that they don't approach the dog. That if they sit on the seat, the puppy will approach them if it feels safe. If it doesn't feel safe and it doesn't want to approach, you do not force it. And um, that's the quickest way of getting dogs to, to bite people if they're if they're uncomfortable. So it's really important that the dog is allowed to approach the situation or the person, not the other way around. And um, most dogs know enough about dogs by the time they're out and about. 
So they don't need to go and have a load of play with with dogs or, or lots of interaction. They just need to see them and to maybe meet, you know, for a little bit. Sorry, Laura. Um, sorry, I'm just going to close this door. Um, so well, you you, you have again? a you have a very vocal dog there in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just heard something. Um. So, so yeah, to, to expose them slowly but surely and, and anywhere where a situation or an environment is controlled, like the pet shop is a, good, is a good, good idea because a lot of pet shops have nice big wide corridors and, and people are pet friendly. But it's really important not to allow people just to come over and, and pet your puppy. Um, and if they are going to pet the puppy, that maybe you distract the puppy with a little bit of treat or you give the person the treat and you kind of give the treat and then you walk away or you throw the treat and walk away. Um, so the dog realizes you're not going to invade its space. So it's really important not to be a space invader around, around dogs or especially puppies. But anywhere where the environment is controlled and it's not, um, you know, a hoo-ha. And again, if you're walking your dog on the road or like that, if you're bringing your dog into the pet shop and it slows down or it stalls or it stops, be aware of it and respect it because if the dog stops, it's telling you it's not comfortable. So no more than ourselves, if we were in a strange place and we were walking down the road and suddenly we stopped, it might be that we're no longer feeling comfortable or we were, we're out of our depth or we don't know where we're going. So always when a dog stops, he's telling you that he's feeling uncomfortable. So it's really important to recognize it and respect it. Okay, Samantha. And okay, tell me then, what would be your views on uh, taking a dog to a puppy class? Um, puppy classes are great as long as, again, it's under control. I don't like um, puppy classes where the puppies are allowed to go mad at the end of the session or during the session. Because if you allow a puppies a free-for-all, usually with some puppies, there's a bully and there's a victim. So play with puppies and with dogs has to be reciprocal. So it has to be even. So if one dog is chasing another dog, then, you know, they have to take turns. So that dog then is the chaser and the other dog is the, is the you know, if, I don't like using the word victim, but, you know, the one being chased. Because usually if it's all one-sided, that dog is becoming a bully. Um, and an awful lot of cases of dog-to-dog aggression start with overzealous play where nobody is supervising it. And they just think, you know, owners just think, oh, look, they're having great fun. But they're not necessarily having great fun. One dog is probably intimidating and frightening the other. So it's really important that it's well supervised and any sign of fear or worry or, you know, if a dog runs under a table or under a stool and is trying to hide, that you in, you stop that immediately and, and you, you go and kind of interfere and say, right, enough of that. Um, so it's really important. You never leave young dogs or puppies to their own devices. They are like children and they have to be supervised at all times. Okay, Samantha, and as we've been talking here, I've been getting a couple of questions in on our Instagram page there. And one that I've got in is about desensitizing your puppy to different sounds, which, again, will be a very, from my view, will be a very important part of getting a dog's used to being out and about. So what are the Mm. sounds to familiarize them with while you could be, like, out and about uh, with your puppy? Well, I suppose the, the biggest sound when you're out and about would be traffic. 
Um, but again, you know, if you're walking down the road and, and uh, the dog is fine and then suddenly a big truck comes along and frightens the bejesus out of the puppy, again, it would be important to, to stop before you proceed to stop. Give the dog time to gather itself and to process all the information before you move on. But when you say desensitized, Dara, that's kind of um, the wrong terminology, because if you're desensitizing, that means the dog has been sensitized which is a, another important point because if you've sensitized it, you've overwhelmed it. You've, you've accidentally created a fearful association with whatever the sound is. So again, it's to do with intensity, duration, um, and frequency. So, so with sounds, again, it's the distance and the volume of the sound is really important. So um, there was a, a local county show on here a couple of weeks ago, and I have a couple of puppies And I deliberately did not bring my puppies to that county show because I knew it was going to be bedlam. That show hasn't been on for two years. So I knew it was going to be packed Um, and it was packed. So that wasn't the right environment for for my puppies because it would have been far too overwhelming. And apart from, you know, trying to socialize them, I would have done exactly the opposite. I would have frightened the bejesus out of them and sensitized them to everything. So they would have been terrified of people, cars, children, sounds, I would have completely thrown them in at the deep end. Um, so I, I stayed well away. So I will pick my, you know, pick the things I want to bring the dogs to, which they will be small little events where there won't be loads of people or loads of dogs or loads of traffic. It'll all be, you know, um, selectively chosen where the dogs can feel safe and that I don't accidentally sensitize them to things. All right, Samantha, and we have one more question here, and it is, I have an eight-week-old pup. This comes in from Roshin, and uh, how soon should I be taking my uh, puppy in traveling in the car? Um, sorry, Dara, I'm just <laughs> rescuing my dogs. Um, at eight weeks old, you would probably be in the car already to come back from the breeder. So, so sitting in the car, maybe with the engine running, or just kind of ticking over would be good. Um, and maybe, you know, sitting, letting the dog sit on your lap or sit on a blanket on your lap and maybe feeding it a few treats or whatever. Sometimes I tend not to use um, food when I'm, I'm doing stuff like that because the car tends to make dogs sick anyway. Um, the thing about cars and motion sickness with dogs is that there, there is a part of their ear, the vestibular, which isn't um, fully developed. And the vestibular part of the ear controls balance. So because that that part of the ear isn't actually developed until they're about three or four months old, that's why some puppies can get um, kind of sick in cars or motion motion sickness in cars. But if you sit in the car and get them used to just being in a car in a relaxed position. So I'm a big fan of of kind of just sitting in a car for 20 minutes and, and making a phone call or, you know, reading the paper or whatever with the engine ticking over, not necessarily moving, just the vibration of the engine, and then maybe drive up and down the driveway a little bit. But eight, eight weeks of age is is fine as long as the dog is comfortable. If the dog shows any sign of being uncomfortable, you stop immediately. Okay. And before we go, Samantha, what would be your number one tip for helping your puppy to, I suppose you said you don't like to use the word, you said to me you don't like we use the word socialize too much, but what would be your number one tip for kind of getting your puppy used to other situations and other people and other dogs? To to bring your pup out, but but keep 
a safe distance. So keep away from the action, but let the puppy watch the action from a safe distance and to watch your body's, your dog's body language. So watch where his ears are, watch where his tail is, you know, watch to see if he's yawning or blinking or, you know, watch to see if he's uncomfortable because dogs can't talk to us. So it's our responsibility to kind of pick up on those signals. And if he's uncomfortable, take him out of the situation. Um, and just don't don't overwhelm him. Do you know what I mean? You can do more harm than good by overwhelming your dog. So say if you take him out somewhere and, you know, it's going really well, then maybe the next day give him a break and then maybe take him out the following day. So I wouldn't be taking him out every single day and showing him lots and lots of things because his, his little brain is only small and, and he's going to be knackered. So maybe take him out maybe two or three times a week, but give him rest days in between so he has time to process the information. And just really, really important not to overwhelm him and not to let other dogs run up to him or not to let other people come up to him and certainly not to pet him unless he instigates the, the contact. The puppy must be allowed to initiate the contact. That's great, Samantha. And hopefully maybe next week we'll chat about those signals that you were talking about uh, and just canine communication, the different things yeah. to watch out for. Because I think it will be a great thing for uh, new dog owners, especially to learn as when the puppy is as young as they are, so that they get her right from the start. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about some canine signals next week. Awesome, Samantha. Listen, thanks again for joining us on Clever Canines on the Big Bar, brought to you by the Canine College. Clever Canines on the Big Barrack is brought to you by the Canine College, run by champion dog trainer Samantha Rawson, a regular contributor to RT Radio and Television. Samantha is a certified canine behaviour consultant and with 30 years experience in the field, she has the knowledge and understanding to help any dog. Our services include individual dog training from basic to competition standards, assessments and behaviour consultations. The Canine College is set on five acres with a secure paddock and an indoor classroom. See thecaninecollege.ie or find us on Facebook for more information. And a massive thanks once again to Samantha for joining us on Clever Canines brought to you by the Canine College. If you need anything dog behaviour wise or training wise, give Samantha a call. You would have heard all her details there at the Canine College. Find her on Facebook or on Instagram. Give her a call. She is without doubt one of the best dog trainers and behaviours that this country has. So if you have any questions about your puppy or about your dog in general any behavior questions just give samantha a call and she will be more than happy to help you we will have samantha back again next week and samantha next week we will have her chatting a bit about what we're talking about there canine communication and different calming signals different signals body language to recognize from your dog which can be vital in determining what your doggy is trying to tell you now i'll tell you one thing it has been a very very packed show today uh thank you to all our guests thank you to fahma gunning from grip.ie for filling us in on all the details of the donald rogers and save kim campaign so Remember, keep sharing the petition. Keep sharing our posts on your social media stories. The more 
attention that this gets, the more likely we are to see a positive result. Remember, guys, this isn't just about Kim. The campaign is Save Kim, of course. And obviously, we want to save Kim. But you've got to remember that no matter what the outcome of this case, there will be another Kim. There will be another dog that is in this exact same situation three months or six months or nine months or two years down the line. There will be a dog that will be at the mercy of our justice system in this country. A justice system that doesn't give a damn about animals in this country. Now, animal rights is something that most of you will know I'm very, very passionate about. Animals in this country are seen as property. That's all they're seen as. Dogs are seen as our property. They're not seen as living beings. This needs to change. We chatted last year with Dr. Sharon Alston about this, who Sharon Alston is behind a big festival. Uh, I'm just going to actually kind of just waffle away here for a minute. Uh, She's behind a big festival. Uh, Yes, it is actually over over okay Uh, that actually happened last week uh the forever young festival and it's all about raising funds for animal welfare in this country so dr sharon alston she was on our show last year and she was chatting during the pandemic maybe it was two years ago i've lost count at this stage because the pandemic has gone on for 22 years at this point but Dr. Sharon Alston was chatting about how she wanted to see the rights for animals change. She was engaged with different TDs below in the Wexford region to try and get something changed. We know that the animal welfare legislation in this country isn't worth a crap. It's time that changes. It's time that we all get behind our pets. We all get behind Kim here. We all get behind our dogs, our our cats, any animals that you have, you get behind our welfare. Because until we stand up as dog owners, as pet owners in this country and say to our politicians, enough is enough. It's time that we have real rights for animals. It's time we have real welfare laws and real just giving a damn about animals in this country. Because right now, most people... They follow the page, they follow our page, they follow the podcast. Most people, yes, we all give a damn about animals. How many are there out there who run puppy farms? How many are there out there that neglect animals, that treat animals cruelty, cruelly? And how many imbeciles have been up in front of a court for animal neglect charges, for abusing animals? And how many of them have walked out of court scot-free? I say enough is enough and it's high time that we tackle this issue head on. And I would love to know who's with me on this. Be sure to comment in our Facebook page if you're with me on this. I think it's time that we save not just even Kim, we save all the animals. We fight for a better justice system for our pets in this country like they have in our European counterparts. You will not see this in Sweden. You will not see this in Switzerland. You will not see this in France, Germany. You would not see this over in Japan, where they are massive dog lovers. You won't see this in any other country. 
in well any first world country, any modern country, you would not see this. You would see dogs being cared for, dogs being loved. As Samantha said, you do not see animal rescues over in these countries. You don't see shelters because people look after their dogs. It's high time and that's what's happening here now. That's my rant over. Coming up next week. Bit of a rant here. Sorry, lads. Coming up next week. We will be heading down. Uh, actually, heading down this weekend. So we'll be bringing you our coverage. A bit of an interview from Pet Mania in Bally Simon here in Limerick. Pet Mania who have had their groomers on with us previously. And we do have a groomer from Pet Mania in Santry on with us next week. We have... Let me see who we have. We have, I believe we have, uh, bah, bah, bah. we have Michelle from the Century Store of Pet Mania, who's going to be chatting to us a bit more about what Pet Mania have been doing in terms of, like, grooming and how they started off with the groomers and how they've grown over the last 15 years. We will be going down to Pet Mania in Bally Simon here in Limerick for the 15th birthday this weekend. Really looking forward to that. I bring the doggies. Also worried that they will make a mess or that they will start a, a royal rumble or something. And while I'm trying to record our little session with the bosses below there in Petmania, uh, we will have, as I said, Samantha back next week. We will have Tree Vest back next week. We'll be talking Dr. Siobhan O'Neill there. And we will have lots and lots to come. Lots of exciting things happening next week. Hopefully, it won't be all, I suppose, sad stories. It's the one thing I always wanted to avoid on this podcast. I always wanted to avoid the sad news. Unfortunately, avoiding it and burying my head in the sand, I don't want to be doing that either. I want to be shown that we, as the Big Bad Podcast here, we are a voice for the animals. Not just a voice for the animal lovers, we are a voice for the animals. Until next week, guys, stay safe, give your doggies lots of cuddles because they deserve it. And hashtag Save Kim, keep sharing the petition, keep sharing the post, keep raising the awareness, and let's get Kim her lifeline. Let's ensure that this verdict is overturned, and let's ensure that Donald and Kim. Have many more happy years together. Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. By now you're probably following us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on TikTok. And find us on thebigbat.ie. You'll find all our previous episodes there. And we're on Spotify and iTunes, guys. So thank you all and have a great week. The Big Bark. Listen up, dog owners. It's for you. your favorite podcast the big bark with your host dara burke and canine co-hosts bruno and millie the big bark